Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. And just like Martin in this episode, I'm the Ice Cream Man. <laughs> and this week we are looking at Season 6, Episode Remind Me? Six. <laughs> six! There we go. Thank you, Steve. In which Frasier mistakenly believes he's being pursued by a wealthy secret admirer. Uh, Steve, what's the nicest gift you've ever received? Um, dare I say, and we're going to get a little kind of, you know crude the most expensive gift you've ever received because that seems to be the symbol in this episode naming the most expensive gift i ever received uh i won't say how much it was but when i did get married when i did get married my dad did gift me a sum of money towards my first deposit for a house (laughs) oh nice dad got any more money lying around for me (laughs) i wish he had more i could do with paying (laughs) off the mortgage now but yeah that that was that was definitely a generous gift to receive obviously as a wedding gift yes i am divorced now and he actually helped pay towards my divorce so he kind of paid for that twice i suppose in a way um one of my Good one man. of my favorite gifts. Um, I know we've spoken about it before that that John, dear John in America, did send uh I think he sent us both actually a very nice bottle of whiskey. Oh, that was um, one of the best gifts I've ever he, received. He did also send me some fabulous things that I really love. Um he actually sent me a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Funko Pop, which I treasure. It's actually awesome. up up there next to the Boba Shet one somewhere. And um, he did actually send me, I think, three Freddie Mercury's uh, Funko Pops as well, which were all just surprises. I literally just got them like one a week for a couple of weeks. And it was it was a wonderful surprise. That I was like, wow, John, you've sent me this Funko Pop. And then I sort of forgot about it. And a week later, I was like, John, I've got another present from you. And I don't know. And he went, well, you you might be surprised next week as well. And another one turned up. So uh, <laughs> it was a, literally the gift that kept on giving. And it was, it was lovely to receive um, just spontaneous gifts uh, all the way from America, really. So that was nice. That's amazing. What, what, how about you? What's what's the best gift you've been... Uh, or, or have you had a secret admirer who's given you a gift, maybe? I but... haven't. I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't see really crave one, but no, sadly not. <laughs> um, I th- My mom and dad, my 18th, got me, I've said this before, I think, a signed first edition of Misery by Stephen King. It's um, amazing. Which might be, you know, it's not it's not going to be worth five thousand pounds, but it's it's probably a you know it's it's got it's got its value. Um, I don't know my my watch actually. It's probably in terms of money, it's probably my watch. Um, I'm not going to say what it is. It's not a Rolex. Um, 
but it's my watch was a, was a gift and uh yeah I, I love it i only have the one other than my smart watch for like running and stuff my sports watch so yeah i wear this every day uh to to work and yeah love that thing oh, so. i'm almost blinded by it i mean that was <laughs> whoa look at that look at that catching the light there <laughs> is that uh cartier <laughs> <laughs> Patek Philippe. um but yeah listeners let us know what is your kind of most valuable gift and it can be monetary monetary because that is the kind of point of this episode but obviously that's not the point of gift giving um so do let us know something really sinister I, I emailed myself the notes to obviously for this episode so you and I could discuss them because I typed them up on a different laptop. And I've accidentally somehow got a typo and it says, Steve, what's the nicest surprise gift you've received? But between gift and you, it says the word Kari, which is obviously the name of the creepy stalker from a different yeah. episode. Maybe we're and, all out of Tiffany's. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know where that's come from. That's so strange because that episode always creeps me out a little bit. So I don't know. That is very, very spooky. And I'm home alone tonight. So I hope Kari doesn't sneak in and, and kill me. Did you um, order yourself a really big cheese pizza? Because we had the conversation of pizzas beforehand. Is that what you've had? Just we like have both had pizza. <laughs> and I've also, I've got a Chilean Shiraz on the go here. I uh, actually got, have Steve? a glass of port. In fact, let's toast Christina, who one of our listeners has had a baby this month. Hey! So congratulations, Christina. Cheers, Ma- Will. Massive congratulations as we take a sip. Mm. Absolutely delicious. Oh, it's a lovely, lovely red. Okay, on to Trivia Corner this week, which is a little sparse. Our Trivia Masters are very, very busy, uh, so it is not their fault. They have a lot of things to do. But I believe you've got some trivia for me, Steve. I, I have two uh, very rough questions. Do you, want the, do you want the easier one first, or the one that is more likely to have been what Corey could have possibly asked me? I would like the easy one first, please. Let's go for that one. Okay, so there is a title card. I think it's Act 2. It says, The Ego Has Landed. Okay? The That's Ego play- Has Landed. That is a play on words from the phrase, The Eagle Has Landed. Who famously uttered those words in 1969? I. It's going to have to be an astronaut. Um, it is. <laughs> uh, I mean, Neil Armstrong's more famous for another line, so I'm going to say Buzz Aldrin. Who was scared of bees, apparently. Scared of um, bees. It was actually Neil Armstrong. You should have gone with your first ah, answer. No. He landed the Apollo 11 lunar module, Eagle, on the moon. There we Hence, go. Love, the Eagle's love landed. A little bit of history. Love that. Um, the question number two, like I say, this is in the style of what I expect Corey would have probably asked me had he have supplied questions. Can you, Will, name yes. the women Fraser mentions of his previous dates? Obviously, you've got Nancy. She's a current date. He names one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight other women. Oh, my God. Well, there's obviously Tatiana. Tatiana. Oh, <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Tatiana, Tatiana is correct. Uh, I'm going to be brutally honest. I think that's probably that's probably all she wrote for this one. Um, what about the one that you meet towards the end? Blonde hair. She comes oh, out it the begins elevator. with an L, doesn't it? No, it begins oh. with an M. <laughs> oh, God. Marie? No, no, that's from previous episode. Um, oh, God. Give me the next letter. A. <laughs> Maxine? Madeline. Oh my god, Madeline Marshall. <laughs> do you do you want to tap out? Do you know any of the others? I'm devastated, Steve, because it's a great question and this makes for incredibly bad listening for listeners, but I am oh, gonna I have think, to tap out. 
I think I'd have failed as well. From the little black book, he mentions Sonia, Patricia, Susan, and Tatiana. He then gets Tina Dalton gets mentioned. Of course. Then you've got Cheryl and I believe Denise on the answering machine, and then Madeline who turns up who has slipped the note under the door. So I, to be fair, I think I'd have struggled with that quite a bit because that's oh. a lot of names to remember. <laughs> I remember Tina Dalton because I just you know I, I remember that bit in Nervosa, and I should have should have bloody said it. Um, that was really really poor. I mean, I'm so sorry. Um, I tell you what, Steve, because I because we've just had the two questions, I am going to come up with one for you. So let me just have a little rack of my brain. Okay, I've got a really easy one for you. Um, what what decorative noun does Fraser use to describe the Patek Philippe watch he has received? That's not easy. <laughs> That's <laughs> easy because you can see the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually haven't seen the answer. This is from, from my own head. Um, what kind of, yeah, he uses a noun. It's a decorative noun to describe the watch he has received. This is the worst trivia corner. <laughs> Me and you should not <laughs> do trivia corner between the two. This is why we have Hammy and Corey. It is, it is. I have no idea, Will, what is the answer. He describes it as a bauble. Um, he says, he says, perhaps she is the one who sent me this delightful bauble. Um, decorative. Oh. Obviously, it's Christmas bauble, I think of. So I was trying to help, but I'm sorry. That's uh, pretty... I can't, pretty, uh, can pretty can you ever imagine sort of describing any item as that other than an actual bauble on a Christmas tree? I genuinely, <laughs> genuinely can't. I mean, are we assuming bauble actually has nothing to do with a spherical shaped tree ornament? It's actually just a gen generic term. Yeah, like a gem or a, I don't know. No, maybe that's maybe it was maybe that's what a bauble was named after. <laughs> I have maybe. no idea the origin of that. Anyway. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, animation watch this week, Steve. It comes to my attention. You might not know what it is this week. It, this again comes down to me watching it on four uh, OD. Sometimes it just doesn't seem to show me that first couple of seconds. Of the, yeah, it, it just, just glitch actually. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, my streaming services let me down. You'll have mm. to reveal to me what the animation is. God, have have a single guess. This can be um, your third, the second trivia corner question. In that case, I'm going to go with. It's not going to be a rain cloud. Can't be thunder. I'm going to. It's going to be the lift going up in the space needle. Oh, you're you're in the right in the ballpark. You've gone classic animation. The lights going on. It's lights on in yeah. the skyline. <laughs> lights on in the skyline. Classic territory. <laughs> um, now Frasier is on a date with Nancy in. I think I'm going to say my second favourite spot in Nervosa by the window. By the window. I do love that spot. Mate. It could be number one, but I do love the bookshop seat. And Roz crashes it completely unbeknownst that they're having a uh, having a date here, um, which I think is quite, quite, quite cleverly done because then they have the repeat gag with Niles coming in as well. Um, yeah. Have you ever, ever had this? Like even, even maybe... I don't know. I'm thinking about when I was an awkward teenager and maybe I had a girl in my room and then like a sibling would, my brother would come in or someone would come in. They just don't get the hint and they just say they're welcome. Have you ever had this? Well, actually, now you come to mention it, the first time I ever met Elle, uh, we decided we'd meet her. Well, actually, the first time I ever actually physically met her, she was a barmaid. I was at the bar. I was probably having a few drinks. And that's when I first saw her. And anyway, we got in contact somehow. Someone commented on something on Facebook, and I recognized her. And, and I, I added her as a friend, thinking, I actually really like the look of this girl. And she seemed quite nice. And anyway, long story short, we decided to arrange to go out for a drink. And uh, when we turned up, 
I felt like I was the actual, the odd person because she turned up with a friend who gave her a lift there and a friend came into the pub with her. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I thought it was just me and one of you and um, you've brought your friend. Her friend luckily did literally scarf her after about 10 minutes, um, just said hello and, and and chat for a few minutes and then went, right, well, I'll uh, I'll see you later then. And I was like, yeah. So I was nervous enough as it was. Um, but, you know, I mean, Fraser says he's worked with Nancy for the last few years or something like that. But yeah, I mean, for a first date, uh, probably could have gone worse, but it could have gone better. Just to meet each other would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. And that's such an interesting experience. I, I, sw- I swear, you, I think I've spoken to you about that before because that's just yeah, like, possibly, yeah, possibly. That, that's iconic. Um, <laughs> but I mean, anyway, Fraser on the date, but you'll forget all about him when you meet Chuck. I mean, you know. This Chuck, he's outdoors, he's rugged, you know, and Fraser's well, the anti-Chuck. The anti-Chuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think I would describe myself as the anti-Chuck. Um, I like the outdoors. I like to kind of stay and I like to, you know, to look after myself, but I'm not, I'm not a bodybuilder. Um, I'm not rugged. And I don't think I could, you know, chop wood in in kind of zero degree temperatures, which I imagine Chuck does. Um, I think it's I'd, fairly- I'd personally, I'd love to be doing that, and I and I have chopped wood in my garden, but not in zero sort of you know degree temperatures. I tend yeah. to uh, not let the wa- uh, the wood cutting warm me twice, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather <laughs> just put it in the fire straight away rather than spend too much time cutting it. But yeah, yeah, that is a very very good point. Um. Ross going away and saying, "Can you can you send my muffin over when it comes or something?" And he's like, "You won't even see it coming." Uh, absolutely <laughs> phenomenal! Like Kelsey's got some brilliant lines in this kind of opening few minutes, hasn't he? He's so good. He does, but I, I must admit, I got a bit irritated by the whole ESP thing that you know she can see everything coming. He just constantly goes, "Oh yes, oh I, you, I, I knew you were going to say that. You, there's that ESP again." You're like, "Phrase, just stop laying it on so thick." She he must really see. lays it on this thick. Again, this just it's almost reeks of desperation. She's on the date with him. He doesn't need to win her over. She's there. She wants to date you. She wants to see you again. You don't have to keep trying to be smarmy with her. She wants to be with you frazier she's yeah. shown interest already it's absolutely um, true yeah i mean I, what, I, yeah sorry carry on I, I was just gonna say i did i did mention that uh, or i did write down sorry that um frazier does mention about her bending spoons did you did you think this was a reference to a certain person i've or... got i've got his name right here yuri it, geller that's exactly who i wrote down now is i don't know the time scale of when he became famous he's bending spoons and moving footballs on football pitches off penalty spots or whatever happened at that was it the was it the euros was it a world cup finals that he did that what what, i can't remember what did he do move the penalty spot he he thinks that the ball was on the penalty spot he thinks he moved the ball enough for a, a player to actually miss a penalty I presume it was against England, and that's when England won on penalties at one game. Or so. And he and you actually see they, they showed the footage, and the ball does slightly move. Probably the wind, to be fair. Mm. But Yuri Geller claims he did that. Um, he tried to help the team or whatever, and the ball does move. But you know, the, the guy can melt spoons with his fingers. That's that that's just odd that's He's, unexplainable in my mind <laughs> well i think uh, there's a lot of controversy about him because i remember he was invited onto i think johnny carson back in the day and johnny carson kind of shanghaied him by just not telling him it was going to be a, a kind of performative interview mm. and he got loads of silverware and things out and basically just said won't you just do a trick for us just do any trick and yuri kicked up a massive storm um got really offended and marched off the stage and I think since then, 
um i mean it's it's obviously nonsense but we don't know how he's doing it i guess particularly um yeah but maybe, maybe yeah it's, it's a bit like the uh, magician's magic circle isn't it there's obviously something behind what he's doing um mm. like you say giving giving him one of my spoons from downstairs right now he probably couldn't do it maybe it's just not uh a certain material that he needs to do it with. I don't know. I think, I think so. I think so. Um, we have a we have a lovely off you go from Fraser here. Um, it's rare that we hear these kind of in the in a public place. He's normally preserving that kind of little saying for some kind of bedroom, you know, foreplay. But there we he says off you go to Niles. I think. Um, I just made a note at this point. I feel like I hadn't seen this episode in ages. Um, I actually have once the episode started to unfold. I was like, oh yeah, I've seen this one a lot, so I, I do quite like it. But this opening five minutes felt really alien to me. The whole kind of Roz and Nars crashing his date felt like very new territory. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, I remembered the end of this episode a lot more than I remember the start of it. Um, and and the and sort of the main meat on the bones in the middle um, seemed a lot more familiar. But yeah, I, I, was, I was sort of the same sort of first couple of minutes. I was like... Do I remember Nancy? I mean, it, it, in fact, it actually made me question it when he says, "Oh, Nancy, she's going to work somewhere else. She's going to work at another radio show. She's been what?" She says something like, um, "I'm surprised we didn't date before. You know, what with me being around the office so much." He goes, "Oh yes, well, I saw you around the office all the time. She's never been mentioned in six years of us watching this TV show, but apparently she's been a regular. You know, she's all over the place, and Roz knows her really well and wants to set her up with a cousin and." No, nope, Nancy's never been mentioned before. Not even no. an accounting like Edna and all these other people that work there and Noel. Nancy is literally this episode, but apparently she's worked there for years. We oh, should there. know her. There you have it. We should know <laughs> her, and we don't. So riddle me that <laughs> one. Uh, yeah, KACL gang. Um, Cartier gets a shout in this episode a lot. Uh, I put in this episode. I mean, I mean the show. Um, yeah. I think Cartier's yeah. been mentioned a few times. Um, I mean, a lot of high luxury brands do. Uh, Neiman Marcus. Um, I don't know Hugo if Boss. Like Hugo Boss. Uh, Tiffany. Um, yeah. Armani. Uh, a, a, a lot of kind of high class fashion brands there. Um, there's a question for you, Steve. What's the most expensive item of clothing you own? You don't have to give the price, but what would, would it be? Probably right now, say my uh, Alan Payne tweed um, field coat. Nice. That's that's nice. That's country it, folk. That's that's not a cheap jacket. Not a cheap yeah. jacket. Not the most I, expensive, but not, not not cheap for me. I I think mine's probably my barber coat. Um, but I got it on a really good deal. Um, but do love them. Classic, timeless look. Um, Definitely so. a very uh, very traditional British countryside coat. That yeah, very very much so. Um. The brilliant line from Martin when the boys get back from squash now and they make I can't remember what Fraser says. Something about the valet or something moving the bags or and he's like, Well, you guys work up quite a sweat down there, don't you? Because it just it just sounds like, you know, even the squash is somehow mediated by some hired help. Well, they both had posh names, didn't they? I think the, the valet had a posh name. I can't remember what the names were on either of them. Mm. And, uh, yeah, the other guy helped him with his squash stuff. Um, I did notice that Martin... Actually, no, sorry, I was going to say, there's a lack of uh, squash shorts. Squash shorts, I can't even say it. Well, there's a term, um, <laughs> They're both wearing trousers. Um, so are we to presume it's winter in this episode? But squash is played indoors, so I think you need shorts all year round. You would think so, but they're both wearing long trousers and um, they're wearing switch like um, tank tops. In fact, uh, Frasier's, it looks like it's a Ralph Lauren. It's got the little horse logo. It is, yeah. So, it yeah, is. so. 
I cannot fathom that that must be their kind of they they played and then they get into smart gym wear to leave and enter the gym because you can't play squash in any kind of knitwear. It's the yeah, most it exertive sport imaginable. It, well, you wouldn't play badminton or, or tennis in that get-up either, would you? It's just, it doesn't look um, <laughs> lights going on and off. So, sorry, the, the light just went off on my monitor. I was like, oh, what's going on there? Um, yeah, they just look both over. I mean, when Daphne comes back in, she's going to do the laundry. Fraser says, let me just go and get my gym towel. What about all the clothing you're wearing? Is that not sweaty, dirty? You've literally just... What have you used the towel for? And why would you only get a towel out of your bag? What about socks and underwear and everything else you've just played squash in? Well, he does say to her, <laughs> what about my squash togs? And she says, um, she says, oh, no, let's save some fun for, for the next day. So yeah, maybe. Yeah. So does that mean his dirty squash uniform in the bag? Well, I, I thought he. No, because he says. Um, let me get my towel for you. And if you can wait a couple of minutes, let me get you my squash togs. So I presume that was what he was wearing. Oh, but you know what? I've, I don't know how we're spelling togs in this context, but I've gone for T-O-G-S. When you Google that, there is um, the only thing that's coming up is a reference to Frasier on a website called The Chapner, <laughs> which is the entire series run of Frasier where everything's the same, but Frasier is now very, very obviously a centaur. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, not that again. Haven't we discussed this before? <laughs> Have we discussed this? This is quite a famous article. I'm sure someone, I, I, either you or Key mentioned this before, or you looked it up at some point, maybe not with me on here. And uh, yeah, it's a really bizarre website. <laughs> That's absolutely insane, but that's the only reference I can see to squash togs, and I haven't even Googled Frasier, but there you go. Um, <laughs> great line from Daphne when she says, well, that's no shortlist now, is it? When it's about <laughs> women women that have left Frasier or dumped Frasier, um, which I think is, you know, Daphne's not given a fat lot, at, neither is Rolls in this episode. I, I, I love the fact that Martin was actually very, very open and honest and a little bit degrading of Frasier when he says about the list, and he says, well... <laughs> She must have dumped you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes, thank you, Dad. <laughs> thank you, Dad. Um, yeah, he's very, very candid there. The brilliant line from Niles, he went through that family like a recessive gene. Um, I Fantastic. mean, great, kind of visceral and a bit disgusting. But yeah, so Fraser, what dated an aunt and a cousin and yeah, it's an aunt, a cousin. This might have been Tina Dalton, actually. It's all a bit, it's all a bit, it's all a bit Romanov, isn't it? It's all a yeah, bit Habsburg. Yeah. It, that is Tina Dalton, because the next one I've got written down is Cheryl on the answering machine. Um, so Tina is the one after Tatiana. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah. There I mean, go. that's where Tina's family is the recessive gene that gets <laughs> gone through. <laughs> in in reference to this, these these women and, and the archetypical little black book that he gets out, which is, of course, a bit of a, an American sitcom staple. Um, where does he meet these women? I mean, really, the women he's describing, the, the 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 litany of women that he describes, you know, he's never shy of, of of a woman or two. I mean, we could do this until the cows come home, but I'm just, I cannot believe he's got a little black book for starters. Um, well, the fact that it, Madeline at the end, just to skip to the end quickly for Madeline, she says, you slipped a note under my door. She lives in his building. He also dates Reagan in the building later on. I mean, how many women are you going to date in your own building? He's going through the building like a recessive <laughs> gene. <laughs> you don't crap where you eat is basically the way I'd say that. You know what I mean? It's, it's like 
you're going to bump into these people in and out of the, I'll say elevator for the American listeners, um, and the lobby. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be awkward. That's that's just, it's fine if it works out, I guess. And then Niles dates, you know, in the Safari Club, he's dating a lady from downstairs. There, there must mm. be people in Seattle that don't live in Elliott Bay Towers that you could date. Yeah, but if they do, <laughs> you don't want to know about them. They're, they're awful. <laughs> All the people you need to know are in that building. Um, Ross is glum now. Uh, she's she's. It's been a while since she's uh, bumped uglies, as they say. Um, I do find American culture around the third date uh, <laughs> problematic. Strange. Is it is it a bit of a tired tradition now? And we're used to it in our sitcoms and films. I'd be very interested to know if it's still the kind of social more these days, considering the world's progressed a lot. Um, Frasier receives a Patek Philippe now. I mean, are you familiar with just how expensive these are? I'm not, but I imagine, judging by, uh, well, I think it's actually Maris, isn't it? The big reveal is that it's Maris that's buying it. I imagine they're quite expensive. I mean, are you looking up the... Uh... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and find just an average one for you now. I mean, okay. Will's uh, just logging into his uh, Patek Philippe uh account online quickly and see what his last purchase was so there's one here on watch center it is a patek philippe nautilus rose gold fully loaded diamond set i mean this whole thing is encrusted in diamonds i mean i can add it to my basket and it's it were it's worth i mean have a guess what this is worth Sixty-five thousand pounds it's worth half a million um, <laughs> and i have an add to basket option <laughs> just get, the, who's, who's delivering that <laughs> the, the sheer i know the, the sheer optimism of this of that of that website that i and my cookies that it's it's, it's registered me visiting the website that i could possibly afford that is hilarious does it say pay by klarna in three easy installments <laughs> <laughs> you know what that funny enough that i could book a private viewing or i could just buy it outright i mean i'm a bit bit lost for words there but um, this is this is typical that the, the writers of fraser and fraser's love for expensive items um this isn't a spoiler for anyone who's watching the current season uh of fraser 2023 as i now call it um but him and another character um, I won't go into it too much. Really like a bottle of whiskey, and there's a bottle of whiskey um, in the first episode, I believe it is, or maybe the second episode. I can't remember now. Um, a bottle of Macallan that they mention, and it got me I looking more. And, it got me looking at more and more different bottles of Macallan, and the expense you can pay out for a bottle of really good Macallan is ridiculous. The writers are still doing it. Do you see what I mean? It is yeah. they know expensive stuff, and they know Fraser's taste, and they have continued that very, very well. Um, I, I they don't name the exact bottle, but I presume it's probably several thousand pounds. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. McCallan's is is brilliant. Um, I remember when when I went on the the distillery tour trip with my dad a few weeks ago. Oh no, when was it? It was a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, we got we got told of. I think it, I think it was McCallan's. I can't remember. I can't remember if I said this on the podcast already. But anyway, a barrel got um got sold that was from the 50s um and i think they got about i think they got about 100 and something bottles from the barrel in the end because wow. obviously you have what's called the angel's share where yeah, you get yeah. nat- natural loss and uh i think each bottle went for about oh i can't remember it was 50 to 100 000 pound um you just think like imagine imagine owning that barrel um and speaking of, I've got an incredible Black Friday deal. My dad won't be listening to this <laughs> because this is my dad's Christmas present and a present to me for no reason. 
uh, Talisker. Uh, there was a, a lovely Talisker whiskey that should have been 50 quid down 50% to 25 quid. Um, so got my dad's Christmas present sorted and bought myself a bottle. So there you go. I hate to say it, but after this, ping me that link because I'm I'm interested. I'm hoping I'm hoping <laughs> the deal is still there, but uh, it's absolutely outrageous. I've got a friend uh, at school who's uh, big into whiskey, so shout out to him for sending it to me. Um, Frazier is pretty insufferable in this episode. I've said here just his constant comments and, you know... Uh, I think not. And just like, you know, when he spies, what's her name, Tina Dalton, he just thinks he's absolute cock of the walk here. Um, And it's, it's hilarious, but he's also just incredibly insufferable, Um, which is completely contrasting. Marty with his, (laughs) 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 is this the most famous line of Martin's from around season six? I mean, before he gets, Before we get uh, high holidays later in the seasons, I think poppy pop pop pop. I just watched him for an hour. He just run in them. Poppy pop pop pop. Poppy pop pop pop. David Hyde Pierce looks like he hasn't got a response to this. I don't know if that was actually written. Is that John Mahoney making that up? He just has an outburst, and David just sits there and looks at him like, "What's my next line? What do I say to this?" (laughs) Oh, he's going to do it again. There he goes. Right, now I'll say my next line. I've got it. Just, just pauses. And yeah, I mean, John Mahoney's delivery of simply the words poppity pop, pop, pop. I mean, it just someone, um, actually, it was the Frasier page, um, the official Frasier page on Facebook, shared that as a, a as a loop. And it literally just poppity pop, 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 poppity pop, 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 poppity pop. No way. And I could still watch it for a good 30 seconds and just sit there grinning at John Mahoney, <laughs> looking so enthusiastic doing that. Oh, um, he's brilliant, isn't he? John, John generally is a brilliant uh, an actor in this anyway. But, I mean, Marty is a character. You just see these little things and you just think, God, I wish he was my dad. Do you know what I mean? He's a, he's a great TV dad. <laughs> he really is. He really is. Uh, a, good, a good quiz question would have been how many pops we hear. Um, or, I mean, because he says it three times, so... That's nine, and then probably pop, 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 and then <laughs> I think that's nine pops and three properties. But don't don't hold me to it. Um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to run the numbers on that one. Uh, we find out now that it's Maris who is the secret admirer. It's not Tina Dolden or some other kind of hypothetical supermodel level woman that Fraser thinks is chasing him. Because come on, Fraser, wake up and smell the coffee. Who in, who in your ex-girlfriend list is sending you a Patek Philippe unless they're an heiress that you didn't know about? Um, that I mean, the P- Patek Philippes are incredibly expensive. It's the one thing in this episode that I think is the giveaway that like that Frasier would know. Like Cartier, fair enough. Patek Philippe is like next level. And he has to know he hasn't dated anyone of that wealth. I'm pretty sure Cartier cufflinks probably aren't cheap either, though. <laughs> They're not, but I can't imagine they're, they're on not half a million pounds. But do you know what I mean? I, I, I get the cufflinks. feeling. I mean, oh, oh, Patek Philippe cufflinks. <laughs> they're seven and a half thousand pounds. I hope you get a pair. <laughs> uh, no, just just for one. <laughs> Can you imagine spending seven and a half thousand pounds on cufflinks? Like that? I, I, I can't even imagine wearing cufflinks. Will I? I'm very no, I, I like I like a button. I like a button sleeve. Um, so you know, I, I don't own any shirts that necessitate the use of a cufflink. Um, it's, it's very rare. Very rare. I'd wear a shirt that needs cufflinks. Yeah, so there you go. Um, I, I will say um, actually two things. One is that 
for the amount of times I go to Nervosa in this, Frazier has two coffees and Ros has one, which brings the total to 196. Mm-hmm. Three coffees, but they go to Nervosa like three times. And just, I mean, Ros walks in, just has a muffin at one point. Why should you just have no muffin for? No. Um, I do like this? the description of Maris from the very Husky Voices new waitress. Um, yeah, I did, yeah, I noticed that. I did write down her name is Rosa Blassi. Never heard of her. Probably never see her again. I think she's a one and done. Does have lines, but she's her name in this is just waitress. Um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Well, I, I kind of, um, I kind of was reminded of the actress from One Tree Hill, uh, Sophia Bush. She's got a mm. very similar husk in her voice. Yeah, um, she does actually. Yeah, but yeah, I thought I thought she was quite fun. Um, but her uh, description of Maris was excellent. With the uh, well, she was very thin, very pale. Uh, very well dressed. Oh my god, it is Maris. And then she ordered a was it a full fat milk mocha or something mocha like that? Mocha or something with whipped cream and chocolate yeah. shavings. Oh, it can't be Maris. She just smelt it and then handed it back. <laughs> <laughs> the way she, they didn't even say she threw it away or poured it out or anything. She just hands it back to them. There you go. So, now back <laughs> so so good. Yeah, she's a, she's a good addition to the Nervosa ensemble. I'm a big fan. Big fan indeed. So Nancy is over at 1901 now and uh, don't love this kind of Frasier playing dumb, like, oh, you just reverse the directions I gave you, you know, to get home. Like, oh, you're being coy and coquettish and, you know, just, just, I don't know. And whilst on the subject, why does he always get really strange around women, i.e., he talks them like children. Oh, and he's like, oh, Nancy, come and sit with me here. Oh, Nancy. And I'm like, you sound like a predator, Frasier. He, he's not very comfortable in his own skin almost, is he? Sort of once the or woman's... is he too comfortable? I don't well, know. Well, yeah. <sighs> it's, it's just over the top. I mean, obviously, it's been written so Frasier pushes the date away, as we know is going to happen, which is why there's such a list in that black book of women who have rejected him or just dumped him or just don't want to see him again. Mm. Um, the fact that he answers the phone and says to one of them, no, no, of course I won't call you again. No, I totally understand. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> you prankster. <laughs> um, b- before we get into that too much, can I just say that when Daphne herds Martin out the door as Nancy arrives, I don't think I've ever seen anybody look like a decade as much as Daphne does, dressed as the 90s, with her hair in that way, the fur-collared coat, the dress, and she's going to a party three floors down. She literally looks like the entire decade. I can't yeah. I can't think of women that dressed any other way other than exactly how Daphne is dressed in this episode, just to take Martin down. What, no, um, sorry, Fraser says, thanks for dropping Dad off uh, at Niles' house because you were going out. She goes, I'm going to a party three floors down. <laughs> And now she's got to drive the other end of Seattle to drop Martin off. <laughs> we, were, we, we were going out anyway. <laughs> Honestly, um, that's a great delivery. But yeah, sorry, back back to Nancy. Um, yeah, it, it's just, I don't know, is it is it patronising? The way he sort of arranges I think it, I think where they should be? <laughs> I think it's deeply patronising. Just everything about the way he, he handles her, the way he talks to her. Um, I don't know. I just... He, she's very infantilized. He, he does talk to women sometimes like they're children, um, which is I, you know, ironic given what his end goal is half the time. Um, <laughs> so I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. He really 
I mean, the whole point of this show is that he's unlucky in love, but it doesn't make sense because women seem to throw themselves at him. Um, and they he do, is but... eligible enough to make them stay. Is that why women throw themselves at Frasier? He's got this massive apartment. He's pretty much loaded with money. He likes all the finer things in life, you know, from the opera to the ballet to the theatre. He's incredibly well read. He's intelligent. He's musical. He's He can sing everything. Do you know what I mean? He's a good cook. Um, mm. But again, why does he not take dates out for dinner? Why is it always over at his? I was actually disappointed that he didn't do the whole... Uh, remote control over the shoulder, light the fire. Maybe this is why this one really didn't work. You know, he he got out of the swing of it. He didn't have that same routine as he normally does when inviting a woman into 1901. Well, as I recall, I think the fire is lit, though we don't see him <laughs> light it. So he's tried, um, and he does offer wine, but he doesn't do to possibilities. Um, in Charlotte and my on my rewatch, we just got to three dates and a breakup, actually. So Charlotte has finally seen the origin source <laughs> of why I say to possibilities every time we have any kind of beverage together. Um, you know, when I'm in bed of a morning and we have a cup of tea and I say to possibilities and she's like, why do you always say that? It's infuriating. She now knows and I'm not going to stop saying it. And, you know, if anything, it'll just I'll double down. But there See, we the go. thing, I think the thing that I say that Elle gets probably mostly annoyed with is when I come home from work and if she says to me, oh, you're just going to get changed. I go, yeah, I'm just going to pop upstairs, get changed because I'll put the kettle on. If I come downstairs and there's not a cup of tea made, fine, I'll just have to make my own tea. <laughs> and she just goes, the kettle has boiled. I just haven't put a bag in it yet. I'm like, all right, that's it. And it comes out again and again. And it's my like, own oh, tea. Yes, my own tea. <laughs> I love so, that. Um, yeah, things go from bad to worse here. The voicemail the, the or the answering machine. Frazier just kind of drops, screwing the pooch. Um I mean, he's just a filthy, filthy man here. He's doing everything he can to salvage his night of debauched pleasure, isn't he? He will do anything <laughs> to get devoured like an animal and stripped. <laughs> That's what he's uh, to quote to quote the last lines. The fact that she's getting very much into kissing him, and as the phone rings and he hears that voice, he shoves her. Away. That could be your secretary. No, 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 no. Don't worry. Let the machine get it. And he pushes her onto the sofa so hard so he can jump up. Honestly. Grab the phone, and that, and that is the, the line I already said. Obviously, oh, he goes, "Oh, you prankster!" No, no, don't worry, I'll never call you again. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, the next phone call again. There's another one, and you know, Nancy wants to leave, which is then even made even worse when Madeline turns up and he tries to slam the door in Nancy's face, so we can then entertain Madeline. It's just we, again, we, didn't we see this in? Which was the one we we, we reviewed recently? Was it um, Dial M for Martin, was it, when he hurt his hip and stayed over? Yes. And he, and, and he was waiting for a date then, wasn't he? And the date turned up. Don't step over him. He's very resilient. Anything to get a woman in that apartment. And in three dates and a breakup, just ignore her. Don't worry. Yep, Sherry's leaving. You come in. Anything again. Just begging them to stay. Please, please. And, 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 you know, and... and uh, when he takes the photo of, uh, I can't think of her name either now, she's gone black, uh, Kelly Easterbrook. Um, yeah. To think I was going to sleep with you. You still can. Honestly. <laughs> Just stop. Stop doing this. Now, one of them don't call back. Oh, a devastating, <laughs> devastating man. Um, the three Crane boys now alone, or together, I should say, in their misery at the Montana. The fire's lit there as well. It's a sad but beautiful scene of the three Crane boys could have, you know, glum 
well, not Marcy, but the other two. Um, Niles' delivery of rubbing her ocelot <laughs> is just amazing. And then obviously, John Moe says, You know, they've got a cream for that. They've got a cream for that. <laughs> and then the way DHP holds the stare and turns, it's so prolonged that it's unbelievable. And it's a lot like in Nervosa when he stares at him as well. So it's almost yeah. like a kind of callback to that scene. But yeah, rubbing her ocelot. If we know, I, mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get too not safe for work on the pod. But if we know what an ocelot is, which most people are going to know, if you think of synonyms for that animal, it's a phenomenal crude gag. Um, which, which obviously, I'm not, I'm kind of not breaking new ground by by telling people about it. But it's just so so good. Um, of course. It turns out that Maris is is out for revenge now. She's not going to accept the settlement. She wants to strip Niles clean and devour him like an animal. But of course, Fraser won't be. Um, so things are going to get very expensive, aren't they, for Niles well, for Nile and Coyote? I can't remember the uh, what's the rhyme. Is it um, roses are red? Something is fickle. When I'm done with you, all you'll have is this nickel or something like that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and he, he's literally holding the nickel, and she goes, "I just need to get us to sign the uh, financial statement." That's it. That's all you need to do, Niles. This is the financial statement. It's shredded paper with that nickel in it. I mean, it's—I don't know how she gets away so quick. Mar- Maris must have a delivery boy do. No, this she for has her to because yeah. someone knocks at the door and just disappears. There's no way Maris is doing these things. No. Well, you know, other than the Novosa one, again, she's been in Novosa, and no one's mentioned her. Or, or well, obviously, the waitress saw her, but no one else saw her. Mm. literally across the road from KACL there you go where Nancy works apparently um, well, no, no, she's she's left she's got a new job she's got a new job yeah she doesn't want to work for the all Spanish all Latino music station at the moment that's why there you go top 10 Stephen is this episode in your top 10 you won't be surprised to learn it's not however mm. I think it's quite a classic episode in a way of Fraser shows so many of his poor decisions in relationships. I think this really is, it is a bit like three dates and a breakup. He shows how bad he can be inviting a date over, how bad he can be messing it up and how desperate he can constantly be to get any woman to sleep with him. He doesn't even really care which one in this, does he? He literally will chase all of those women because one of them may have written a note that says, I want you back. So he's got to find out who it is. He can't just accept the cufflinks and wait for her to come to him. He has to chase down every woman. I, I presume that's over several months that he's upset. I think so. Yeah, I think but so. no, no, not top 10 for me. How about you? It's not in my top 10, but it is a great app. Um, I think there's a lot going on for me here that I enjoy. Um, Frasier being a, a kind of bawdy, borderline sleazy, you know, bachelor is, is par for the course at this point. But uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot I like in this episode, I'll be honest. Um, so, I, yeah, think fondly of it, but it's not in my top 10. Actor pick this week, Stephen. Who have you gone for? I'm going to go with Kelsey, because I think mm-hmm. he's really the only one who, although you, uh, I do rate, uh, you know, I do take your points on board about David Hyde Pierce and the way he acted as Niles with the uh, sort of in the nervosa scene and at the end as well. Um, but I think Kelsey, the delivery of his lines, just just won it a few extra points for me to th- this time. Yeah, I have I've gone for Kelsey as well. Um, I think he's just unreal, particularly in the first five minutes. He's got some amazing lines, but um, 
there's just something about him in this episode. He's he's deluded. He's crazy. He's just you know sex mad, but um, he's just he's just at his hilarious crazy best. Um, Kenny Burling, I'm on the ground, Steve. What's his favourite flavour ice cream? Were he to go out and get one? Do you know what? Have we had this conversation before about Candy Burling and ice cream? I, I would be amazed if we had, but it's I not. I would be amazed, out, but it's not out maybe of the question. I, maybe it's this recurring dream I've been having about ice cream. Him, him licking your Cornetto. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I reckon he'd be a mint choc chip person. I knew you were going to say mint choc chip, and I love that because that's my favourite flavour as well. Yeah, it's probably one of mine. And I actually think it's what the Crane Boys are having in the. Uh, the end mm. sequence, they all walk back in. And I was a little bit surprised to see that Niles would be licking ice cream out of what looks like an ice cream cone. Um, I thought his germs and phobias would actually scare the hell out of him and not want to touch a cone that someone else has possibly touched and not then eat it as well. Um, <laughs> it, it just doesn't seem like him. I would have thought he'd be a spoon out of a, a small cup of ice cream rather than a cone person. But, you know, that is John Mahoney, Martin. He is the ice cream man. He does sort out the ice creams. And that's he what he did indeed. well. He is the ice cream man who thankfully is not killed like the one from Ham Radio. Um, okay. Only graze me. Only graze me. <laughs> uh, all the remains is play. Whose crane is it anyway? The game where I give you a random word, any word that's been used in an episode of, uh, in, in this episode rather, <laughs> in an episode of Fresh. <laughs> um, we could be here all night. <laughs> we could be here all night, all 200 and whatever episodes. Uh, and you have to tell me who said it, your word this week. Panicked. Uh, this is this this is a deliberately difficult one because I hadn't pre-prepared it and I've picked it from the script just now because that's what I do. I'm gonna say I've got to hear this. I'm gonna say the waitress the waitress said it about Maris. It is about Maris, but it came from our pick for actor. It's Kelsey. He says, Frazier says, well, thanks a lot. Listen, Niles, I think this whole pursuit of you has been brought on by a panicked reaction to Shankman dumping her. You know, give her a few days. She'll probably realize that herself. That's the time to approach her. So there we go. Shall we? Jump over to listen to Mal, Steve. Let's see what we've got. Let's see what we've got. Raz, who's our next caller? Okay, listener mail this week. Lots of you've got in touch, which is lovely. Um, some of them are longer than the others, so please don't be offended if we do abbreviate them. It's only just to keep the episode ticking along, but we are reading the whole thing, and we love that you send us messages. Uh, Karen Saxon says, I feel like rumpus room is a very 70s term. The only time I've heard the word rumpus is in the book Where the Wild Things Are. Let the wild rumpus begin. I was on the Wikipedia page for that film the other day, actually. I, I do, do you a rewatch? I really like its weird, melancholy sadness. It's actually a really sad story. Yeah, do you know what? I didn't know it was a book, and so don't kill me for that. Um, <laughs> I've heard of the film and I've not seen it, so I might actually. Uh... The book, I mean, it came out in like 2009, and the budget was like nearly 200 million. Like it was wow. massive. Wow, absolutely. That is huge. Actually, or is it 100 million? Either way, gigantic for 2009. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, we have Nicole, who says, actually, it's to you, Will. Will, I also have teaching dreams where things are just completely falling apart. I haven't been in a classroom in over six years, but this is a constant recurring dream for me. Love you all and love the podcast. Wow, good to know that other people are having those dreams. Uh, Sonny <laughs> Williams says, I've got a couple recurring dreams, one where it's the end of the semester and there is a class I thought I dropped but never did. And I've just found out I'm getting an F. 
There's another where sometimes something goes awry with air travel. My luggage gets lost. I've gotten on the wrong flight, or the plane goes to space. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's terrifying. That's that's a God. real horror dream. That is. Uh, these these are actually quite creepy. I don't know. I don't know. Get out of bed tonight, Max. I know. Um, next up, we have Roland in first do no harm in a scene in Nervosa in which Fraser meets Marie. Martin is telling Fraser that Duke's daughter is quite the looker, as you referenced in the podcast episode. Fraser then quips that he's met Duke, and unless Duke has sired a daughter with Catherine Deneuve, he doesn't like the odds of the daughter Marie being a looker. I was surprised that you missed the joke when Marie enters and Fraser, smitten at first blush with her looks, greets her with bonjour, referring back to the possibility of a French actress, Catherine Deneuve, having been her mother. Obviously, I love the podcast. All three of you always bring so much to each episode. Thank you, thank you, and we're uh, and we're listening to we're listening. Um, I did actually mention back that that was me, completely no knowledge at all of Catherine Deneuve. I don't know. I also <laughs> me. Don't don't try and spare my blushes. Steve. I did not get the joke because I have never heard of the actress, so I apologise. There we go. Uh, Maribel says, "I get dreams. I lose my teeth. You are not alone, Maribel. In fact, I think if you Google." common anxiety dreams teeth falling out is like number one um like it's ridiculously common i don't know why but chemically the brain when you're anxious that's a really common dream in fact a band i love the antlers um who are really sad and just only listen to them if you're in a robust mood um (laughs) have a song called every night my teeth are falling out which is in reference to those anxiety dreams um, that is terrifying to write a song called that. <laughs> yeah, well, they're a very depressing band. Um, but lots of people saying that they also have that. Uh, Alistair Green says, the only recurring nightmare I have ever had also involved a whale, which I'm pretty sure Steve said was a feature of his nightmare. I was being chased down the stairs of a house by a blue whale flopping behind me, and I couldn't move my feet properly. What are the odds that two of you have been pursued by nightmare whales? Yes, but as I said to Alistair, my whale had the glass-shattering whale tail coming out of a car boot. Work that one out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who have we got next? Uh, Erica. I spent many years going to a private school have we heard that one before i don't think so no we haven't no sorry uh, sorry erica i spent many years going to a private school in my hometown of el Cajun near san diego and i have dreams that take place in the campus frequently i also have recurring dreams about having difficulty entering through small spaces i'm sure this primarily stems from insecurity of my size being a thicker six foot one woman My house sort of has what we might refer to as a rumpus room, though we call it a den, which is what you you also thought you were calling it a den, weren't you, Will? Yes. Um, It's where I've spent many hours playing Red Dead Redemption 2, which I got 100% completion on recently. I'm equally obsessed with Frasier and Red Dead Redemption. I also use this area as a home workout area and crafting letter writing. Not a lot of folks write letters these days, but I enjoy writing and receiving mail as well as fine stationery. Is there a weird listing mailing address to send cards and gifts? Uh, Erica, I did reply to you. If you want to send us a DM, I will happily supply you uh, probably my address. I don't want to give wheels out. Um, And if you want to send something, please don't spend money. But if you want to write us a letter, I'd be very willing to receive that. That would be absolutely lovely. Absolutely. That sounds absolutely delightful. Um, And that is everyone from that Facebook post. But we're going to go over to the Facebook post now where we asked you your thoughts on Secret Admirer. 
or more accurately, Steve asked you because he is our social media maestro. Uh, Al Hodges says, I'm on my 100th rewatch. That's a bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> uh, I saw, I just saw this one a few weeks ago and it's better than I remembered. Again, Frasier's behavior is so gross. I laughed out loud when Frasier completely missed that Niles was Maris's target and thought Maris was after him. This episode also has this incredibly underrated exchange. Maybe it was that Sonia woman he was going out with. Wasn't there a sister too? And a niece. Oh yes, he went through that family <laughs> like a recessive gene. I never see it mentioned on any Frasier platform, but it should be. It's gold. Overall, very solid episode for me. 8 out of 10. Love season 6. Do you know what? After I watched this, I actually went on IMDb and I actually rated it 8 out of 10. And IMDb actually currently has it at 7.6. So mm. I think I fo- give this a solid 8. I think it's good. Yeah. I, I just it, it hit me it, that was that was the right thing to do uh mm-hmm. next up joshua campbell who's written don't ask me i'm just the ice cream man and uh he, he then goes on to comment after martin tells niles about eddie and the bubble wrap we get another pause like in m for martin just as we've discussed it really looks like dhp was trying to laugh but you could see a little smile creeping on his face and he's actually put a lovely little picture which you can probably see there will of puppy pop 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 i don't know that's uh, by joshua but it's fantastic to see a little bit of art on there absolutely brilliant uh rebecca campbell says between the bubble wrap the description of marius ordering the whole milk mocha just to take a whiff of it and fraser's desperate you heard her technically this date is over i'm thoroughly entertained on this one nancy madeline please give me a second chance either one of you (laughs) (laughs) so good uh, next up, Stephanie Sunshine. Great episodes. It starts out so nicely with Frasier and his sweet budding romance with Nancy. And then we watch Frasier chuck it all because he's intrigued by the idea of a secret admirer. I thought it was great when Niles and Martin discovered the note and Martin exclaimed, you're the one with a secret admirer, to which Niles says, and a pretty nice watch too. Such a good episode. <laughs> So, so good. Uh, Paul Whittington rounds off today's listener mail with simply Tatiana. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, Was there anything over on Instagram, Steve, that we should be made aware of? A few little comments on there if you want to go across. Let's go and take a look. So on Instagram, Kate Nuff says, Martin's line about Daphne getting a second job to buy Niles Cartier is also hilarious. I love that. Do you think it's Daphne? How blind do you have to be? How is she how is she affording a fifty grand watch, Niles? That's what it I think that's the note I wrote earlier. Is it Mrs. Crumpus or Crumpress? Mm. I can't I can't remember what it is, but he references, yeah, she's got a second job with Mrs. Crumpress or something, cleaning for her or doing her hair something, or something. Something like that. That's how she can afford Cartier. <laughs> <laughs> um actually Kate Neuf actually goes on to say, love this one. Lots of classic Frasier so- Suring himself over his own <laughs> ego. <laughs> I've never heard that before, but I like that a lot. Uh, um, oh yeah, go you on. go again. You go. Oh, again. sorry, Philip Herman, twenty-one. It's like Gecko Roman wrestling on a trampoline. I don't know what. Casquatch <laughs> <laughs> uh, says, "Love it, classic farce, classic Frasier thinking he's hot shit." Lol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jacqueline says, "Poppy pop 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 makes me laugh every time." Best line in the episode. And True Golden Geek rounds out today with, love it, Frasier is such an idiot in this episode. I don't think there could be any better criticism than that. Thank you all so much for writing in. Uh, As always, it's an absolute pleasure. So Frasier, on Instagram, Facebook, keep that coming. We love to read out your stuff. Steve's got a special announcement before we wrap this thing up. 
Well, I want to say a massive, massive thanks to Alistair, um, Alistair Green, who has been a very avid listener and has kindly donated, um, let's say, some special gifts to give away to listeners. He's not even donating it to me and Will or Key. He's actually going to do- donate these little gifts that he's got made um, to do with We're Listening, and he's going to send them out at his own cost unless someone wants to donate. So there is a way of doing it, and I will make that clear on a social media post the day after this episode airs. So if you're listening, check our Facebook and our Instagram the next day and you will find a link to what Alistair is giving away. Um, Please do donate a little bit of money if you've got some. There is a part on the form that you can donate to Alistair, so he's not covering the whole cost, although he's willing to. Um, I shall be giving some money because I think, you know, he's done a very nice thing, and I can't thank him enough for what he's doing. Um, But I'm very excited about this, and when those people receive the gift, um, just sort of put a picture on Instagram or Facebook, tag us, and um, we might run a little competition, say whoever takes a photo of the gift in the best location, me and Will maybe uh, draw one out and I will send you another gift to say thank you um, just as a prize to whoever takes a photo of the item in the best location. So uh, keep an eye on the socials for that. And again, thanks thanks to Alistair for arranging this because it's going to be a lot of fun, I hope. That would be ace. Um, yeah, please, please, please do that, listeners. And also, we are currently at 475,000 downloads. We're well on our t- way to getting to 500,000. Um, and of course, when that happens, Steve, I believe something special could be in the works. I have worked on a bit of a giveaway. I'm not sure if I want to give it away to one lucky fan, but I think I'm actually going to try and find enough prizes, not not for everyone, um, but for a few lucky listeners, we will try and give away a few Fraser-related items. Um, there's a couple of artists on Instagram that have donated some stuff, um, some retro stuff for Fraser, and uh, maybe a Funko Pop or a Fraser book or etc. We will be giving away, so do keep an eye on the socials in the coming weeks because as soon as we hit half a million downloads which is soon um there will be some giveaway prizes to everyone i think actually will might donate something will were you uh, thinking of a script of some sort well i'm glad, I'm glad you said that because i'm hoping that this coincides with probably the christmas break for me and i'm going to try and put myself to good use and use some of that time off to write uh not the great american novel but to write my next lost frasier season episode script uh which is the antiques road trip um i've I've written a few pages or so but more on that will follow but i would love to give a script away so um i need to write it first so yes i'll try to do that (laughs) um just a reminder that you please please leave us a review on facebook or instagram or uh I, itunes i should say um it's probably the the foremost place for reviews um that would be excellent um all of the reviews that you send make a big difference um obviously there are the donation options as well you can buy us a virtual coffee um but perhaps save your coffers for alistair green's wonderful giveaway and uh, use some of the money towards that as well um but yeah every every penny and review spared is is just amazing so thank you for all you do please keep the trivia and comments coming next week it is how to bury a millionaire very excitingly steve worked out the other day that if we continue to put out an episode a week um which i see no reason why we shouldn't um we're both kind of very busy and keys also ridiculously busy uh, in our personal lives but we're pushing to get an episode out every week it will coincide with Merry Christmas, Mrs. Moskowitz, coming out 
on Christmas Eve. Jesus! Jesus! <laughs> Jesus! And I, I think that's pretty special. So that's what we're working towards. That's motivation for all of us. Get and out hope... of that coat! <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's motivation for you to keep listening. And we will be back next week with How to Bury a Millionaire. I've been Will. And I've been Steve. Thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegs. Ha, 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 ha. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.